What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by my co-host, Ian Russo. Very, very special guest to cover a very, very special game. We have Antoine Staley, one of the newest members of the Jets beat who covers the team for the New York Daily News. How's it going, Antoine? Welcome to the show. I'm good. How are y'all doing? If I could, I couldn't be any better on a September as a Jets fan. I got to be honest with you, Steven, what about you? How are you feeling tonight? I am extremely excited. September wins. Uh, the only downside is that my wife did not record my reaction as Flacco hit Garrett Wilson for that 15 yard touchdown to then submit it to the Jets. Cause I think mine outdid everyone else's that were on there. No, they were, they were all great, man. The reactions you would have thought the Jets won the Super Bowl, but no, it's just week two and a September win, but man, I'm feeling good. Antoine, it's uh, it's great to have you on, man. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So we'll kick it off. What was the feeling in the press box, all the members of the beat when the Jets, not only the Corey Davis touching, but when they recovered that onside kick, because it's like a 15% chance of that happening. What was, what was everybody's reaction in, in the media room? Well, I mean, yeah, in the press box, it was kind of like, you know, I think a lot of people were surprised, uh, really, with the, the results. I mean, after Nick Chubb scored the touchdown, I think a lot of people thought the game was over, uh, including me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I, I think everybody started writing their stories like the Jets were going to go 0-2, and uh, I thought that was kind of like the worst case, case scenario for them considering the rest of their schedule coming up too. So, yeah, I mean, to go down, have that touchdown to Corey Davis, that was crazy. And then you're like, oh, well, you know, they get a touchdown and, you know, they just try to do the outside kick and probably won't recover it. But you got to have that happen. And then you're like, wow. At that point, you think, you well, you know they have a chance now because they got the ball back and they have momentum and, you know, be able to – Joe Flacco to be able to complete that pass to Garrett Wilson, it was just, you know, it was stunned. The crowd, the crowd was stunned more than I think people in the press box. I mean, you're not supposed to cheer or anything in there, but I think just <laughs> looking at the uh, fans, they were just completely shocked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I gotta ask you, like, did you think Garrett Wilson was capable of doing this this early on? I'm not saying like he doesn't have talent. We all thought he was, you know, super talented. He was a 10th pick in the draft, but like, did you expect to see this, you know, week two of this season as a rookie? I mean, after the first week, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised because I thought he was the best receiver on the field uh, in, a, in, I mean, period, during the Ravens-Jets uh, game. And I just felt like they didn't give him enough touches or enough snaps. But mm-hmm. now, I mean, they kind of went back to the drawing board. They, uh, I thought Mike before did a really good job as far as his creativity and his ability to get Garrett Wilson the ball early and all, often. And it seems like Joe Flacco has a lot of trust in him. So, yeah, I, I'm not too surprised, especially with him playing at Ohio State, which is, you know, they, they have a ton of receivers that have come out and, you know, performed well in, in, on the big stage early on in the league. And mm. it seems like Garrett Wilson is going to be amongst those guys. Yeah. So, Antoine, going back to the, the end of the game, I mean, I obviously have my thoughts. I know that I wasn't, uh, I wasn't thinking that Cleveland made a mistake by running it in. And, and honestly, watching the game back, you see every Cleveland fan that erupts when Nick Chubb uh, does score that touchdown. But, you know, obviously some fortune went in the Jets' favor, the missed extra point, and, and you know, whether you want to call it a busted coverage or, or actually like a, a really good dial-up play from Michael Floor. Um, 
a lot of things had to go right for the Jets too, for them to capitalize on these missteps by Cleveland. So how much credit do you give the coaching staff for being as prepared as they were with things like the onside kick, you know, the, the Corey Davis touchdown, and then the well-executed drive to not only get down the field to score the winning touchdown, but also to kind of milk the clock and be very methodical. So in terms of just preparation, because this is something I don't think Jets fans are very used to, but how much credit do you give the coaching staff for really how, how well they executed that last minute and 55? Well, I think especially the offense. Well, I think, you know, LaFour called a really good game as opposed to week one where I felt like a lot of the play call was uh, very vanilla, which I, I get in a way because the offensive line was, you know, you're building it like throughout the course of the week because, of course, Dwayne Brown and uh, shoulder injury kind of put a kink in a lot of different things and having to move George Fant back to left and Max Mitchell to right. Yeah, it was just, you know, not a lot of continuity there. So, yeah, I I get that, but yeah, this game I felt like they, you know, had a definite game plan of what they wanted to do and how they wanted to attack the Browns, and uh, they definitely executed on that end. So I definitely give you know Lafleur a lot of credit there, uh, the way that he he handled that uh, defensively. Obviously, uh, not a lot of questions. De- definitely didn't stop the run like I thought they had to if they were going to win this game, but lucky enough they were still able to pull it out. So you just kind of hope if. I guess against Cincinnati, you kind of hope you can get that both defensive uh, defensive performance like you got against the Ravens and then also provide it with the offensive performance that you got against the Browns. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, Antoine, I want to kind of go back to you you touched on the offensive line, and this is a unit that I think a lot of Jets fans had high hopes for uh, early on in training camp. And now it's, it's, it's been shifted quite a bit, right? Cause Mekhi Becton goes down, they bring in Dwayne Brown, who a lot of us feel really good about and you figure, okay, he'll slot in left tackle, George fan will go to right tackle. And then you feel pretty good about that. So now they obviously have to plug and play and, and, and Dwayne Brown goes down. So now fans back to left, Max Mitchell starting at right. But how would you assess their performance through the first two weeks and, and really a, a pretty good test against a, a solid Browns defensive line, especially like some miles Garrett. So how do you think the offensive line has fared so far? I thought the second half, they were better, uh, especially against miles Garrett and uh, I mean, Clowney ended up going out of the game, which I think helped help mm-hmm. things there. They were able to chip miles Garrett and kind of focus on him a little bit. It's easier to defend one pass rusher than, you know, defend two of them that can get pressure on you. So, I felt like they did a much better job there. First half, I felt like Garrett was able to uh, make some plays there. He got a sack. Was, you know, Cloud ended up getting a uh, strip fumble too, uh, strip set fumble and recovery. So, yeah, I know it was, it's been uneven so far, but I feel like they definitely played much better in the second half than they did the first. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the first game, it was kind of a bit of a disaster there. I know a lot of people blame Joe Flacco for uh, the way the offense was performing. But if you don't have the time and the pressure's coming right up the middle, I don't know what much more you can do, no matter what quarterback you are. Yeah, that's 100% the case. I mean, like every quarterback in the league, if they don't have protection, they're not going to be effective. Obviously, there's guys like Lamar Jackson's of the world, Kyler Murray's who can, you know, move out of the pocket and make plays. But like a lot of guys aren't able to do that. And it's still you're still going to make some tough throws on the run, but yeah, I agree. I, I think in the second half, they really settled down. And I even thought before when, you know, it's 30, 17 and they're probably, I thought they were going to lose by 13, another double digit loss. I still was encouraged what I saw from the offense, because I felt like for the most part, they were in the game. They were fighting. There were some good play calls. I felt that little floor got very creative with some of the things he was doing, getting everybody involved. The one thing I wanted to actually bring up was, 
Do you under do you know why the usage of Brees Hall was so limited in the second half? I think Zach Rosenblatt from the Athletic tweeted that he only had two offensive snaps like late in the fourth quarter, and then they put Ty Johnson in on that crucial play. I think it was in the last drive when they tied it up. Uh, when they tied it up, do you know why that is? Is it, are they just trying to manage his reps? Uh, I don't think it was necessarily that. I just think that well, one. Um, I, I think part of it was they were down. Uh, I think that was part of the reason why they kind of went away from the run and also Brees Hall and two. Yeah, I, I definitely, yeah, it, it is a little curious there. I have no idea to be honest with you. Know, that was a question I don't think none of us asked in particular because he was having, you know, some success on the ground and also, you know, in the passing game. I thought he did a really good job, you know, as an all purpose back too. Like you had Michael Carter who did a really good job against the Ravens, I thought. And then, you know, Brees Hall did a tremendous job, too, um, in week two. So, yeah, that's a good question. But, yeah, I don't think any of us uh, asked uh, Robert Sala that in particular. But maybe that's a question we could ask uh, at least Mike LaFour <laughs> later on this week. Yeah, yeah. definitely do that. Um, and along those same lines, I mean, what do you think they see? Because <laughs> as a fan, it's frustrating because we're all saying that they have this one-two punch in Brees Hall and, and, and Michael Carter. And Ty Johnson was, you know, a good back a few years ago as the, the Jets were, you know, 0-13 or whatever they were under Adam Gase. But now it's like they have this one-two punch. So there's really no viable reason for fans, especially, to see why Ty Johnson's, you know, getting reps over those two guys. What is the coaching staff seeing in him to put him in the game to, to you know, get him in over uh, Hall and Michael Carter? Well, I guess they just, they just want to do a rotation at times, and, I, and he knows the offense. So – they they have confidence in him. A lot of people thought, you know, Zonovan Knight well, was a guy that, you know, was going to be, you know, over him, picked over him as the third running back. But obviously that's not the case. Knight is on the practice squad. But, yeah, I think it's just the knowledge of the offense right now and his path protection is probably the reason why he's still in there. Sure. Definitely. Um, real quick before we kind of move away from, you know, I guess the negatives, because there were so many there, – there were some negatives with the tackling and everything, and everything like that. What's going on with Tyler Conklin? I know he's had a couple catches. He caught uh, a touchdown in garbage time, the opener. But, like, what's going on with him? He had a great training camp from all indications from the beat. You know, he's catching everything his way. Two fumbles already. And, obviously, it's it's been a little bit rough for him. I also think he was robbed of a catch on the first drive of the game when Salah challenged it and they mm-hmm. ended up overturn- – they uh, wouldn't overturn it, even though the guy on TV was saying it was a catch. What's going on with him? I feel like he's he's not really performing the way Jeff fans had hoped based on the early indications. Yeah, I just think it's like early season jitters too, and uh, obviously playing on a new team there and just trying to get used to things. But yeah, it's definitely uh, hasn't been the way that he even envisioned too. But he said he's gonna get some of this pat, some of this uh, rest of this off, and uh, obviously be able to hold on to the football better. And he knows that too as well. But yeah, he's definitely uh, hasn't performed the way that I think a lot of people expected so far. For sure. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to Garrett Wilson a little bit. Uh, I know that Steven asked you the question earlier and, and alluded to it, but how good can Garrett Wilson be and how much does this game impact the offense moving forward and open things up for the likes of Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and, you know, the tight ends like Tyler Conklin and, and Uzama when they get him back. I mean, how much could this mean uh, for this offense as we move forward this season, especially when you, you factor in the uh, return of Zach Wilson and kind of his mobility in it as well? Well, I think if you anytime you have a go-to guy like that, it changes everything because it allows other guys to, to be single covered and they'll have more opportunities there. Like a like Corey Davis having that big you know touchdown late in the fourth quarter, and 
you know, Elijah Moore getting touches too as well. So, yeah, I think it, you know, having a game breaker guy like Garrett Wilson, who I think could, you know, potentially be that, you know, 70 catch uh, receiver there with the Jets, uh, like really opens things up for everybody else and allows Corey Davis to kind of be, you know, a third wide receiver where you still have a guy like Elijah Moore and you have mm-hmm. a guy like Garrett Wilson who, you know, potential game breakers and also uh, game changing players at the receiver position. Yeah. I mean, it's super exciting because the Jets haven't had really this level of playmakers from a depth standpoint in quite some time. I think 2015 is the year Jet fans always go back to. And I know you were on the Dolphins beat, so you got to see uh, Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, uh, Ivory, Bilal Powell, and all those guys, which was a really fun Jets team with Fitz. But obviously it's been a lot different since then. Um, Do you think that, I, I think you said this before, but do you really believe that Garrett could be better than Elijah. I know he has the size, so he's he could do like you know the jump catches. Elijah, I feel like is more of like a technician from a route running standpoint. Like, do you really believe that? Yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, I mean, I think Garrett Wilson is a guy. I liked him coming out of Ohio State. I thought he's somebody that the Jets desperately needed somebody that could you know take the top off of a defense and stretch it. And uh, I feel like that was something that they were missing last year. I mean, not to take anything away from you know, Corey Davis or Elijah Moore, but I say Garrett Wilson brings another different type of element to their offense. Well, yeah, I definitely think, you know, it could be a possibility, especially what we saw, you know, on Sunday that, yeah, Garrett Wilson could be their number one receiver and their, you know, best guy moving forward. But, you know, it's just one game. We'll see how, you know, the Bengals adjust to it or if they're able to adjust to it. But, you know, I, I like I said, I thought Garrett Wilson was the best receiver on the field against the Ravens. I just think they didn't play him enough. They only played on 41 snaps. And, you know, they definitely got the memo this week from fans <laughs> and uh, also media writers. I actually wrote that I thought they should have played Garrett a little bit more. So and they definitely uh, heard the message and decided to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Antoine, we're going to uh, – we'll flip to the other side of the ball uh, and kind of tie up this Browns game. But I think overall um, – Jets fans have been uh, impressed with DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner so far through two games, uh, especially DJ Reed. I think the the rest of the secondary, when you talk about the safeties, LaMarcus Joyner has left some to to be desired, while Jordan Whitehead is kind of impressed as well. What's your kind of overall assessment on the corners and the safeties and how they performed through the first two weeks of the season? I, I think that'd be great. I think DJ Reed has been a great open field. He made a great open field tackle yeah. in the Browns game, too. So On Nick I Chubb, right, in the first he, quarter. Yeah, I think, you know, he's been a pleasant surprise there, and, you know, I think that was a big addition there for them to be able to sign somebody like that, a veteran corner, especially when you go alongside Sauce, who, you know, is new in the game. And But he's playing, you know, I know he made a, well, a couple of mistakes in the Browns game, but he's relatively, I think he's playing uh, really good football, especially considering uh, he's a rookie. And the thing about rookie corners, I mean, they could, a lot of times they feel like the game is a little bit too big or too fast, especially when they go up against some of these, uh, top receivers, but it doesn't seem like that for Sauce Gardner, at least not so far. Now, you know, we'll see on Sunday because he's definitely going to get um, tested from that Cincinnati uh, wide receiver core. So we're really going to see kind of like a bit of a benchmark game or a measuring stick game for Sauce Gardner and see where he really is. Do you think it's more possible that he's lined up with Higgins or Chase? I feel like probably Higgins because he had the size where <clears> – <throat> Don't like Chase, I think, is like a little bit over six feet. Do you think that they're going to match up more with Higgins? 
Uh, I think they'll I think they'll switch. Like it'll be times where he's up against Chase, but it'll be times where he's up against Higgins too as well. So it's just I think he's gonna you're gonna find him in both times. I mean both cases uh, against both players. So I don't I don't think he'll just match up against Chase or Higgins either way or, or read the same thing. I think it's just gonna depend on the type of offense that's gonna be running or whatever defense the Jets are gonna be running. But yeah, I imagine he definitely will see a lot of Jamar Chase for sure. Yeah. I figured. So one of the things that Jeff fans have been concerned about through two weeks is the safety play next to Jordan Whitehead, AKA Lamarcus Joyner. It's week three. He's still obviously the starter. Let's fast forward to the bye week. Is he the starter coming into the bye week based on what you've seen so far on the tape and also just, you know, during the game? Uh, I guess it depends on what one is. Is he healthy? If he is healthy, if he's still, if he's still healthy, do you think that he's still going to hold on to that job based on what he's doing on the field? I would say yes, probably uh, reluctantly. Although, <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I, you look, you know, you know what you signed up for, Lamarcus Joyner. I mean, I, I think the Jets know who the type of player that he is at this juncture of his career. I mean, he's not a guy that's great in coverage. I mean, he's he's played out of position. You know, when he was with the Raiders too, and, and the Jets decided to bring him over, try to try him as safety. I know he got hurt early last year. I mean, I, I don't think you know his, you know. Some of his deficiencies are so well, they're not a surprise to me. Maybe they are to some people, uh, but especially at this stage of his career. Now, I, I maybe you can rotate certain guys out of there, but you know, I, I don't know if, if he's playing, then I think that signals that he's their best option. I, I mean, I don't know if he is, but you know, I guess I have to trust the coaching staff and what they see. And I imagine they, th- they believe he's their best option at the other safety spot. Yeah. I mean, it could be less about what Lamarcus Joyner brings to the table and more an indictment on the guys that are behind him. Right. Correct. That's yeah. what I, that's what I think it is. <clears throat> gotcha. Um, if only fans were calling for this for like six weeks up until this point, but you know, <laughs> um, let me, uh, let me ask you, Antoine, since you're, you know, you're in that room when, uh, when Sal is giving his press conferences, if, if, uh, you know, I think some Jets fans are kind of panicking a little bit about uh, how Sal is handling the Zach Wilson injury and return. What, what's your assessment of this and when Zach really is going to be going to be back? Are we looking too much into it in, in terms of like, you know, thinking that maybe they're trying to hold him out for longer? Or do you really think the timeline is Pittsburgh? And if healthy, regardless of how Flacco performs, that Wilson's going to return for week four? I think it's a week to week thing. I think they're going to just see how things play out this week and how Zach Wilson, you know, for, like reacts to some of, you know, a little bit more ramped up as far in terms of practice. I think that's what it boils down to. And uh, they definitely want to make sure he is uh, indeed 100% because once you bring him back, then that's that's what it is. Like he's the starter uh, from there on out. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's any kind of rush to, to be able to do that right now. They have confidence in Joe Flacco. They think he can get the job done. Flacco's throwing for 300 yards in two consecutive games. They believe uh, he, he's good enough to win this week against Cincinnati. And and then I think, I guess we'll see, you know, where Zach Wilson is, like, come next weekend. You know, we'll ask, I'm sure, after the game, probably the, the day after that, is what's Zach Wilson's progress and if he's going to play. But right now, uh, Solid just kind of put it on the doctors, which I think is the smart thing to do without having people anticipate you know, Wilson's going to come back next week or not. But I would imagine he probably does play against the Steelers. 
Sure. And I'll, you know, I'll credit the coaching staff because honestly in, in two years and, and Anton, you covering the dolphins, you know, Adam Gase very well, but we remember when Sam Darnold went down with mono and how the offense looked in a snippet with Trevor Simeon and then for weeks with Luke Falk and it pretty much just went into a shell and they punted on those games until Darnold returned. But I'll give credit to this coaching staff because we saw the likes of Mike White, Joe Flacco and Josh Johnson all perform uh, in this offense last season and now Flacco obviously this season. But in your eyes, how much does this offense change uh, when Zach Wilson does return? Does it look a ton different or is Flacco really kind of running it the way that it's designed uh, minus some of the mobility that you do get with Zach Wilson? Yeah, I mean, obviously I think Zach gives you the ability to you throw the ball a little bit deeper down the field. So you get that with him. And obviously you talked about the mobility there and to be able to scramble outside the pocket. So I think that's the, probably the major things that you get with Zach Wilson otherwise. And, yeah, I think a lot of the things that they were, they've been doing, especially against the Browns they, that they did, it's going to be uh, a little bit of the same. You just, you know, probably you call a little bit more wide open play calls there. But I also I think, you know, you want Zach Wilson to be able to, you know, make these intermediate passes too. Like I think a lot of times last year he was trying to do too much and, you know, at like he was back at BYU and just starts throwing the ball all over the field. And, you know, in NFL, you necessarily can't do that because the defenses are so good. So I definitely think they kind of want him to be able to, you know, make those intermediate passes and don't feel mm-hmm. like he has to do too much. So I definitely think, yeah, you'll probably see a lot of similarities. Yeah, definitely. Um, Anthony, well, we really appreciate you joining the show. Uh, one last question, we'll let you go. So yeah. for, it's a two-part question. First part is the Jets win the game if this happens. And then after that, what's your game prediction? Uh, I can't give the game prediction yet because uh, they have the, like, yeah, I have to wait till like, we have to put it in the paper. All but right, fair. fair. I, I, will, I will say, uh, well, I think if the Jets, I think the Jets, if they will win, if they are able to get a lot of pressure on Joe Flacco and – you know, Flacco, I mean, I mean, not Flacco, but uh, Joe Burrow, excuse me. Uh, Joe, <laughs> yeah, Joe Burrow uh, has been sat 13 times uh, throughout you know, the course of the, like, the first two weeks of the season. That's six and a half sats per game on average. If they can, you know, muster up like three or four sats in the game and, you know, put a lot of pressure on the Cincinnati offensive line. And, yeah, I think the Jets have a really good shot to win this game. Yeah, I love to hear that, and I agree with you. If they could dominate the trenches on defense and obviously on offense as well with their linemen, I do think they have a good shot of this game. Antoine, really appreciate you joining the show. Everyone, if you don't already, please follow Antoine on Twitter at Antoine Staley, and uh, he's got some good stuff coming out this week. Anything you want to tease? Uh, you know, just not necessarily. Uh, just follow me on Twitter. You know, that's really the best way, place to uh, read all my stuff, or you can go to the New York Daily News as well. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much again. Yeah, appreciate you jumping on. Yeah, thank y'all. I appreciate it. Of course. That's Antoine Saley of the New York Daily News. Steven, <laughs> oh, man. I, I know since we had him on the show, we wanted to be a little more like asking questions about the game. But yeah. now that it's just you and I, <laughs> like walk me through what happened with you and your wife. Because I got to tell you my story as well. Because like it was it, crazy. Craziest thing ever, man. It it was nuts. I mean, like most of us, um, you know, as soon as Nick Chubb uh, crossed the goal line, I just immediately started preparing myself for, oh, great, you know, another double-digit loss, uh, going 0-2, 
back home, you know, against a, a Cincy team that is the, the former defending, you know, AFC champion. So uh, we're going to have a work cut out for us. I was encouraged, though, um, by the offense, really, because yeah. I thought they moved the ball. And the, the Browns aren't a bad team. You know, that's a it's a, a viable opponent. So I was encouraged by the offense. I felt overall good. I felt that, you know, it was good that they they, they were competitive into the fourth quarter. Um, the defense – for as bad as it looked, I was still, you know, I was slightly encouraged at the way, especially they, they stepped up kind of in the fourth quarter. There was, there was a segment in the, you know, midway through the fourth where Kareem Hunt just started going nuts and he was getting like eight, 10 yards a clip yep. and he gets into field goal range. And then all of a sudden, like the Jets defense just steps up and they like tackle him for a five yard loss. Then CJ Mosley gets him for another uh, two yard loss. And then next thing you know, Carl Lawson's getting a sack of Jacoby Brissett. So even then it felt like, all right, they were in the game, they were fighting, they were battling. And, you know, you had the two drives in the fourth quarter, one that was stalled by a Garrett Wilson drop, which just completely crushed you. And the other was stalled by Tyler Conklin, you know, fumbling again. Thank God Max Mitchell fell on it. So you prepare yourself for the double digit loss and what we're going to talk about in the show and how I'm going to, you know, go into a shell, blah, 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 blah. But then all of a sudden (laughs) it turns and you're like, holy shit, they can really do this. And when he hits the bomb to Corey Davis, you're like, wow, okay. Now onside kick is a long shot, but maybe they can pull it off. And, Again, and I said it to Antoine, like, there's a lot of things that went in the Jets' favor. Like, getting scoring two touchdowns in less than 90 seconds is crazy and not very likely. Getting an onside kick is not very likely. But all the things the Jets actually had to do to capitalize on that and win the game is a lot. So credit to them for executing. Credit to the coaching staff for preparing for this stuff. I mean, it was just as fun of a game as we've seen since, what, Week 16, 2015, you know, that, that win over the Pats. Yeah, it was it was just a lot of fun, man, and I'm, I'm just happy that it happened. Yeah, it, it was. And the thing is, like, yeah, like, that one was, like, fun because it was an overtime win against a team that we hate. It was against Brady and Belichick, and, you know, we, we were, like, smelling the playoffs. But this was just, like, this was just absolutely bananas. Like, I, I couldn't, like, believe what my eyes – so to give you context, um, I was, for anyone who didn't know, I was, I was asking people how I could watch the game out of market. I was in California at my girlfriend's family's house and literally I'm watching it on Sunday ticket. Sunday ticket goes out so that I'm like, all right, I got to figure <laughs> out how to watch this game. I'm sure you had the same problem, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you also have Sunday ticket. So I'm like, all right, I got to find some sort of stream. I was watching on my phone, whatever stream or whatever it was. And we have to leave for the airport. And obviously it's a close game and I'm like still watching as we're going. It's like a 40 minute ride. So we're in the car and I'm just so obviously like pissed because that's when like everything that happened with Chubb scoring the touchdown. And I'll say this, when he scored the touchdown, I wasn't like questioning that, but I will say mm-hmm. when Kareem Hunt went out of bounds those two times, and well, I think he went out of bounds and Chubb went out of bounds. I'm not really sure. Whatever, there was two times. I was saying to myself, I'm like, why are they going out of bounds? I'm like, they just have no timeouts. What are they doing here? But like that, that was like the only thing. But when it's going to touch that, like you said, I wasn't thinking about, oh my God, they gave the Jets a chance. I'm like, oh, here we go again. Double digit loss. The receipt stuff is going to come back. Mm-hmm. And I was ripping solid Twitter. I'm the first <laughs> to admit it. I literally said, and I'm, I will own this. And then of course I like, you know, said I'm an idiot. I literally said, if Salah thought that this this week was hard, wait till he sees what tomorrow is going to be like. Yep. I will own that. I was so <laughs> wrong. And then, like, all of a sudden, they run the one play to Conklin, 
And then Corey Davis, literally, I've never seen such an easy Jets touchdown. Yeah. He was like running, like he wasn't running for his life. He was just like, oh, Austin. I can just go in. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it was like the easiest thing. And I'm like, oh, all right. Like it's going to look know. better on paper. And anyone who, t- who took the Jets, I guess, what was it? Plus six and a half or whatever. Yeah. was. Oh, they get the, they get the cover, which is great. Yeah. So I good for those people. I'm like, all right. So they're going to onside <laughs> kick it. We're not going to onside kick it. I know. And I see. I see Brandon Mann. I'm like, why is Brandon Mann doing this? I'm like, of, and, of all the people. I know. I feel he's talking about Zerline, like, and how he's got this experience as an onside. <laughs> and I'm like, you're, you're not looking at what's going on, actually, man, because Brandon Mann's actually out there for it. And I, I don't want to rip Jay Feely because he actually was a decent kicker for the Jets. But, like, come on. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Man, like, yeah. no, who's on the field? Like, you don't have people in your ear, like, whatever. So that happens, and I'm like, oh my god, like, we have a shot of this ball, I'm like, ball, ball, like, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, you see Hardy literally gets it. Will Parks makes the play to mm-hmm. help put um, Hardy in position. I'm like, all right, we got yeah. a shot. Let's yeah. see. And then I'm like, I'm like, man, is Flacco really got this magic in him? And they're driving, they're making some plays. I just was like. Oh my God. I'm screaming in the car as we're like a little bit close to the airport. Um, Chelsea's mom is driving. Chelsea's in the front seat. They're like, I'm listening with AirPods in. They're like, what's going on? I'm like, the Jets literally just took the lead. They took the lead. They're like, what? I'm like, they took the lead. And then obviously I'm like, it's not over, but there's not a lot of time left. So obviously Brissett, you know, has that crazy scramble. We're all just like, here we go. Here Mm -hmm. we go as Jets fans. program to do of everything we've seen yeah and of all the people the man played one defensive step <laughs> all day ashton davis baby justifying that third round pick joe douglas drowning his face in high noons because he's like <laughs> see i told you i'm just kidding but man good for ashton we've yeah. all been ripping him listen yeah. he's not a player I, I want him to succeed i want my team to be good but man it's it just I don't even know how to explain it. And we're like, we get we get to the airport and I'm like, we're about to go through security. My dad's calling me. I'm like, dad, I'm going to security. I'll call you when I'm back. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I like Justin literally like to me. She's like, I I've never seen you like this. Like I, I was on cloud a hundred, not cloud nine, cloud a yeah. hundred. It yeah. was the it was best feel, like this fan base deserves it so much. Oh, I, I know, I know we ripped some of the guys on TV, Grady, Beningo, whatever. Yeah. And I'm a Beningo fan from his time on the fan, but like as a Jets fan, how could you not be like it, it was just unbelievable? Like it was, it, I, it was awesome. I woke up yesterday morning on Monday morning. <laughs> my coffee tasted better. I had this. <laughs> I had this extra pep in my step, man. Like yeah. it was. I hadn't felt that great since Sam Darnold won that game be, yeah. because they finally broke this schneid of not winning those games. I mean, Garrett Wilson, man, this kid, like. I love the pick and we've been talking about it since the draft happened. We first did our show, like to recap the draft that we love the pick. We couldn't believe that like they actually picked him because we're like, they'll overthink this because he's like the, you know, Drake London's been good too. No, no doubt about it. But 
Garrett Wilson, man, like this kid could be a superstar. Like, I, I don't want to like say like the DJ Reed comment of, oh, he could be like Justin Jefferson. Like, let's it's been let's calm days. that down. Yeah. yeah. But oh, man. So I, I have to ask you, was this your was this Chelsea's parents' first exposure to you as a Jets fan? Like full <laughs> yeah. on that they they got the full experience. Well, at least it was a win. And not and not a lot. I mean, so that's good. You well, you you didn't really ease them in, but at least they get the exposure, and, and you're good to go from here on out, right? Well, like they're laughing at me because yeah. and, like grand uncles are laughing at me. They're like they're like he's passionate. Like you can't like they're Niners fans that you know they yeah. they they they're invested into those teams, and they're like, how could you not respect it? He, he likes this team that's been oh, historically yeah. terrible. And yeah. her dad was telling me over the weekend, he was just like when your co-host Stephen was talking about all those guys who played quarterback for the Jets in your last episode because he listens. He was just literally like, man, they've had so many guys. It's taken so long. And he's just like, wow, it's tough for these guys. But it yeah, is, man. It's, I dude, know. Yeah. My, uh, my I experience about the tackling and all that stuff, but yeah. like, who cares? It I know. Was it was, it was a fun game. It was well deserved. My experience was a little different. I got to tell you that Sunday was actually my wife Stephanie's birthday. So uh-huh. sat- Saturday birthday, night. Steph. Happy birthday, Steph. Saturday night, we went out, and uh, maybe she was a little bit tired slash hungover on Sunday during the game. So she (laughs) had drifted to sleep uh, on the couch as the Jets fell down 30-17, to and then I woke her up screaming when they recovered the onside kick. So I kind of, she, you know, she woke up a little bit with the Corey Davis touchdown as I'm sitting there saying, okay, all right, here we go. And then the onside kick and I woke her up screaming. And then she kind of like got out of a, you know, a daze and what the hell's going on here. And then from there it was just bananas and it was crazy. But um, I got to say, man, I think you're absolutely right. There's been too many times where we've been in the Browns fans shoes oh, yeah. and, and we've seen that uh, we, we've seen that movie before. So to know that it came to fruition in September, we got that monkey off our back next up will be a division win um it just felt good it felt good to get a september win it felt good to have a fun one uh go in our favor now we're on to cincy which on paper seems to be a pretty good matchup but we know it's tough i mean you talk about cincinnati having their backs against the wall but you know as will parkinson pointed out so do the jets and this is just as needed as uh, as it is for cincy as it is for the jets so it's going to be fun i mean as you look to you know, the positives about the game, you gotta, you really got to point to Joe Flacco. I mean, he, he was pretty good on Sunday and, and Gary really Wilson, good. obviously what's that really good. Not pretty yeah. good. He was really good. And I'm not even, I'm not even just saying, obviously what he did the last you know two minutes, like other than the fumble, he didn't yeah. do anything bad. I mean, he missed no. a couple throws, but there were some drops too. I mean, Garrett Wilson, I'm so happy you're doing something. Yeah. I wasn't mad at him because he obviously had a great game before that, but like yeah. Joe, Joe was good. Like he, no, make no mistake. He was good. A hundred percent. And it, it just makes you feel good because you, we feel good about what we have in Elijah Moore and guys like Michael Carter. And even though like I was a huge part of the Conklin hive, I think there's, there's no question that he's gotta, you know, come to the expectation. I think these two uh, games were a bit of an aberration. He's going to, you know, get back up to the standard performance that we've expected, but and you look at Elijah and he's so smooth, man. And even he's just had what three for 41, but he was wide open, man. And like, you just think about kind of how they can uh, yin yang a little bit. And if they start gearing towards Garrett Wilson, how much that opens up for Elijah. And if they start gearing towards Elijah, versa. how much, Vice exactly versa, how much that opens up for Garrett. And then you throw Corey Davis in the mix, who is a hell of a third receiver. And that's exactly what he should be. So these things can all kind of stack up. And I mean, who knows what could really happen if I were to, point to some things that are concerning. I think obviously the defense did not perform the way that I would have hoped. I know the Browns offense is good. They have a great offensive line. They have a great running game. But if you look at it 
honestly, Jacoby Brissett had five incompletions that whole game. Now he was checking a lot down, throwing a lot of screen passes, but the Jets couldn't seem to defend it. And honestly, five incompletions. One was a, obviously the the last interception there. One was a drop by Njoku. Another one was a, a should should have been catch by Njoku in the in the end zone. So like that's the kind of stuff that's kind of concerning because this is a pass happy Bengals team. Even though that offensive line isn't nearly as good as the Browns, um, how that looks with the likes of you know Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow throwing to him, that can be concerning. So it'll be interesting how we stack up and what uh, Oldbrick and Sala have to dial up to maybe get some pressure for this D line. Yeah, I mean think about it play a similar defensive strategy I mean that you had I mean obviously it's a different type of quarterback and a different type of offense but like if the defense could play the way it did against Baltimore and obviously Mm -hmm. you get I'm not expecting Flacco to throw four touchdowns or 300 yards again but listen Mike White threw for 400 yards against uh I'm sorry 300 yards Flacco for 400 yards against them last year anything's possible their defense I wouldn't say is like elite it's it's a solid defense Mm -hmm. but it's like I don't think it's like of like miles ahead of the Jets defense. I mean, listen, the Jets back end is clearly the issue right now. We've 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 noticed that and obviously some missed tackling. Carl lost a revenge game. So he's mm-hmm. gonna be a little bit amped up because they let him walk. Um I do think it's been pleasantly surprising that they've been they've haven't had too many injuries. A couple guys got nicked up here and there, but yep. Uzama was really the only significant piece who's been hurt, other than the guys who've been hurt, like you know, Becton, Zach, um, mm-hmm. and Dwayne Brown before the, the first week. Um I just want to see the tackling better. And it was it was much better in week one. So let's yeah. let's uh, I'm gonna give them a pass because they won the game and it wasn't as bad week one. So it's not like it's like a continued trend. Yeah. And I think Sal's gonna clean that up. But like Think about what we were talking about, you know, in, in August. We're like, just get two and two out of the first four games. Yep. It's very much on the table. They're on pace for it. I still think that's what's going to happen. I think I think they're going to split these next two. I don't think – I don't know how it's going to go, but I do think in some way they'll be two and two going into Miami, who looks a lot better than I will admit I thought they'd be. I mean, obviously Tyreek Hill, Jane Waddle, great. I, I'm not a Tua fan. Kudos to him. I mean, I think he was unbelievable on Sunday, but, like, yeah. I need to keep seeing it. Like, he's not – like Josh Allen, I was in a similar boat, you know, after his second year, I was like, eh, I mean, I didn't think he was like two the way two is because you actually saw like the gifts, you saw the arm, you saw like the, you know, his ability to run and everything like that. He was just like missing throws and wasn't mm-hmm. as efficient as a passer, but I need to see more from Tua before I'm like, oh my God, this guy's like a really good quarterback. I mean, he, prove me wrong. I, I, he could, but yeah, I, I very much think the two and two is on the table. It's what we were clamoring for. No own for, no own for September. <laughs> We we're feeling we're good. Off the and, yeah, yeah, off the shine. Adam Shine said zero and nine, not happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, but yeah, it was. Listen, man, one of the best best Jack wins I've ever seen. It's it's not even a question. Yeah, it's it's like and, it's a. Where and that? now it comes down to what they can do with it. And it, honestly, I mean, I, I go back in history. You know, you talk about the. New England game they won in 2015, and then that's followed by a letdown in Buffalo. You talk about the Monday Night Miracle, which is as fun of a game as I can remember. But honestly, what people forget is that the Jets went 0 for the next three and then obviously end up missing the playoffs and, and losing their last three of the season that year. That kind of mars that memory as well. So it's really all about how Salah can get this team to respond. 
a lot of times with young teams like this, this can kind of spurn them in the right direction and you, you see it. And then all of a sudden you believe it. And now it kind of, you know, uh, gets that positivity and that, that mojo flowing a little bit. And then, you know, more success comes from it. So it's really up to Sal and this coaching staff and this team to capitalize on this and make sure that it's not just, Oh yeah, I remember that that was fun that no, now, you know, we know how to win. We know that this is possible and we're going to turn it into something else to make it, you know, even a more positive uh, as the season rolls on. Yeah. One interesting quote that I really liked that I saw, I, I think it was Sheldon Rankins. I, can't, I I might be wrong and I apologize to right. somebody else. I know what you're talking about. It was Sheldon. Just, yeah. just saying how, you know, a game like this gives this young team that hasn't experienced a lot of winning the confidence to know they could do it again when their backs are against the wall. We think about this moment of when nobody thought we could do it. You know, like not even everybody on this team thought we could do it. I mean, there was guys on the team that thought it was the game that they were tied after the extra point. They didn't realize that Cleveland missed it, which is funny to think about, but like, it's true. Like you don't understand that. Like the, the NFL is such a crazy sport where it's like some of the, it's just sometimes it's a couple of bounces here and there that determine the outcome of the game. And look at it. It yeah. definitely determined the outcome of the Jets game because a couple of things went in their favor that you wouldn't expect. And they walked away out of Cleveland on top. Yeah. Um, I think you called it like confirmed validity. Excuse me. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, One person he's also vindicated beside Ash Davis, Braden Mem. I ripped him. You ripped him. We all ripped him. Not only did he have that onside kick, which was beautiful. He had some good punts in the game. Pinned him inside the five. Yeah. A couple of times, but man, that, (laughs) that fake punt was beautiful. Beautiful. Credit to Salah for being aggressive. I know we all were thinking at the time when he lined up, we're like, it's fourth and one in midfield. Are you serious? Obviously, they knew that they were doing that. So it was like, whatever. And it was smart because it clearly took the Browns off guard. Perfect throw. I know I made a joke or somebody made a joke that like uh, he had more yards than Flacco at the time, which is like (laughs) the bad thing you'll have to see on Sunday. But he deserves the game ball, man. Besides him and Garrett Wilson, and I guess, um, and Flacco deserve all the game. And Ashton Davis. And at, uh, he one made, snap, made, one pick. Come on, man. Give it to Ashton Davis. Give uh, it Listen, all the all the talk we have about he's got a he's got a nose for the ball. The guy like is terrible, but somehow has like three or four career picks. I don't understand it. All right, fine, fine. Game <laughs> balls, Garrett Wilson, Ashton Davis, and Braden Man, if you have to do all three fast. But you could also make the argument for Hardy because he recovers the odds like it. But True. no, it'd be it'd be Braden Man. Yeah. Cool, cool thing. And even Greg the leg man, 57 yarder wasn't a chip shot. Think about that. You gotta yep. you gotta give the credit where it was due there. I mean but, yeah, the, the the units that underperformed in week one came back and overperformed in week two. So yeah. now it's where let's get the balance. Let's get, you know, the offensive and special teams performance. You know, you're not going to get 57 yarders every no. week. You're not going to get onside kicks every week. But let's just get the balance and, and have the d- defense perform like they did in week one with the offensive and special teams performance kind of balancing out like they did in week two. Um, the other credit that I want to give is really to the coaching staff, and we alluded to it here with Antoine, but Mike LaFleur being self-reflective enough to say, you know what, I didn't give the playing time to Garrett Wilson like I should have in week yeah, one. Respect. Let's give him 42 snaps in week two, and those 42 snaps will give him 14 targets. Like, that's insane. So let's also hope they take that same approach with Brees Hall. I know you brought it up. He only got, what, he got seven carries for 50 yards. And the the um, playing time share between him and Michael Carter was very lopsided towards Michael Carter. So let's see the same kind of attitude and same kind of self-reflection and ability to look in the mirror from the offensive staff and Michael Florida say, you know what, this guy is a hair away from breaking off a, a 50-yard, 60-yard touchdown run. We need to get him on the field more. Because it's definitely not like 
Michael Carter and Ty Johnson are the only ones that can catch passes out of the backfield. Like Brees Hall is a good receiver. It was his MO at Iowa state. He clearly caught a touchdown on Sunday. So like, let's get him involved more. Don't, you know, let's, let's make that split a little more even so that you have that balance there as well. I think it will be. And I, I think um, uh, Michael Megan of Toronto, the Jets uh, alluded to this in our Slack because we were all were talking about why he wasn't in the game. And he was saying something that was interesting and I didn't really think about it is I think that they're using this approach similar to what the Colts did when Jonathan Taylor was a rookie. It's like you're easing him in a little bit. And since you do have a capable, you know, 1B running back in Michael Carter, they want him to be fresh out of the stretch and also not give him like a, you know, a Derrick Henry like workload, which they wouldn't yeah. do anyway. But I, that logic does make more sense. But in my mind, it's like, why is Ty Johnson playing on the biggest drive of the game when you have those two guys? It's not mm-hmm. – I'm fine with them mixing it up between Carter and Greece because they're both some very, very good players. Yeah. But Ty Johnson being on the most important drive of the game just – Drove me yeah. crazy. And and Antoine, you know, saying it's it's knowledge of the offense and pass protection. And you know, come on. I mean, we've seen. I heard that about Garrett Wilson last for, week for yeah. two years. Yeah, I I'm not buying it. So really, in my eyes, there's there's no viable reason as to why Ty Johnson should be getting reps over either Hall or Carter. But you know, that's neither here nor there. It's uh, it's really up to the coaching staff. But listen, Lafleur. Give him a lot of credit. Like you mm-hmm. said, he, he, he did what he needed to do. He admitted where he was wrong by not giving Garrett Wilson more work. And he did it. Um, I, I mean, like I said last first week, you know, he, he wasn't good. I didn't mm-hmm. like the, I didn't like the game plan. I felt like they abandoned the run. I felt like they were really balanced. I know Flacco obviously threw for a lot of yards, but they also ran for a lot of yards. I think it was just a good approach to, you know, attacking the Browns where they felt like they had some advantages specifically in the secondary. I mean, like, Garrett Wilson cooked that one guy. I forgot who it was. It wasn't Denzel Ward, no. but I know Denzel Ward was the guy who had like a miscommunication on the, the core Davis long touchdown. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, and I, I, you pointed this out. I think that Connor Hughes had said that that was something that was kind of building the whole game. Yeah. That is good coaching. Recognizing Absolutely. that there's an opportunity to be had in a situation like that. It's like, you're seeing that if Corey does this, he'll be wide open down the sideline. Mm-hmm. And, just you never know perfectly man. timed all part of a long game chess match from Mike that's football. I mean, at, that's 100 it's excellent excellent coaching and knowing exactly when to dial it up so yeah. kudos Move to the coaching floor. staff man i know Move that's it's Mad you know scientist. what yeah they they brought me back in i was down and out last week and i i said you know i'll believe it when i see it well i saw it and here we go so you want to move along to uh thoughts on the cincy game and predictions yeah i mean we we touched on this a little bit before i i think the matchup well i mean I, I think the fact that the Jets lost and the fact, I mean, the fact that the Brown, I mean, the Bengals lost and they're 0-2 and the Jets beat them last year and they're desperate. It makes me worry a little bit that this could be like their, you know, the get white game and the Jets come off a high. I mean, I don't think the Jets are going to get blown out or anything. I think they're going to compete. I think it's going to be a fun game. I mean, think about it. We win one September game. We got Ian Eagle on the call. We're like this close from Jim and Tony. <laughs> this close. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'll go prediction. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be, you know, to the end. I think we're it's going to be different than the Mike White game. I think, you know, they they realize some of the things. But the Jets are also a different team. It's not the same team that the Bengals are. It's a much more talented team. So they're not think, they're not taking us lightly. They, we have a better mm-hmm. record than them. Yeah. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go Bengals 27, Jets 24. That's my prediction. What about you? All right. So, yeah, I think the keys to the game really will boil down to if the Jets defensive line can perform up to really what we've expected them for over a season now. And 
It's a banged up uh, offensive line for the Bengals. They haven't obviously performed. Antoine mentioned it uh, earlier on the show. They've given up 13 sacks in two games. I mean, that's that's not great. I think obviously Joe Burrow looked rusty in the first game. Um, that could have been, you know, part of him just having a uh, non-existent slash slow preseason where, you know, it's still part of a warm up. But he didn't look great. I think the Bengals being pass happy kind of bodes well for us as opposed to, you know, being a run heavy team uh, like we saw last week. So. But they may the they Browns. may use that to their advantage, knowing that Mixon they, can cook us a little. Bit they better. may, but you know what, Mixon and Mixon is a is a great running back, but he's not a one two punch like Chubb and and no. uh, and Kareem Hunt. So I think it could bode well for the Jets, but ultimately, I uh, I agree with you. I think that it scares me that the Bengals are zero two with their backs against the wall. Now this may or may not be you know the Bengals team of last year because the Bengals are kind of a, a cursed franchise, just just like the rest of us, man. So. You don't know, but honestly, um, I think it's a fun game as well. I think ultimately the Jets fall short and it's 24 to 20 Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, good stuff. Listen, if those if either of our predictions that they lose by a field goal and they're in it the whole game, yeah, I'd be upset. You know, go into Pittsburgh, steal that one. I mean, who knows what happens? They're coming, they're playing on Thursday. You know, if it could be Kenny Pickett's first start, depending on what happens with Trubisky. It could be a very winnable game. I mean, like I said, two and two is fine. They get there. You know, I, I can't I can't complain as a Jets fan considering the football that we've seen over the last you know decade really. I mean, yeah. obviously there's been some flashes in the pan with some things with fits and everything like that. But man, it's you well, know it's tough to top the feeling that we've had. I know, right and now. honestly, man, self admittedly, I'm kind of you know trying to work the juju a little bit here because I picked them to lose last week and they won. So <laughs> but, I picked just, them, but I picked them to win. I know so I mean, you're, you're, you're throwing everything off here, but let's just see what happens. But honestly, man, as long as it, it's close, I'll be happy. But I agree. I think we, we had our, our sights set on getting out of September at two and two. Well, really the first four at two and two. Um, I think they have a legitimate shot at both of these next games. So we could very well be talking about three and one uh, at the end of this. Let's just hope it's not one and three, but going against a, Bengals team that has gotten beaten by Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush, and then also seeing Mitch Trubisky uh, a week and a half from now, you know, things could, they could bode well for the Jets here. You you, you walk in, uh, you know, at home uh, against Miami at three and one and holy shit, that's going to be uh, exciting times. Yeah. And, th- and think about this, like now that we've seen two weeks, the Bronco game doesn't look nearly as scary no. as I thought it was. I mean, Nate Hackett yes. is like one of the worst coaches I've ever seen. So th- it's like, you look at the schedule from the beginning based on last year, but things changed so much. The Titans were the number one seed. They look so lost. They lost yes. to the Giants. They got absolutely waxed for the Bills. You, you just don't know year to year. That's like why, you said, yeah. It's why you play the games. It's, it's why it's the NFL. It's why panicking about the schedule in April or May when it comes out is just crazy. And, and even, even more so in August because we have no idea what's going to happen. And I really think that getting that September monkey off their bat and in back and not finish starting out 0 and 4 or whatever, 0 and 3, it makes a difference for a young yeah. team. It gives them the confidence that they need. So 100%. listen, I you know, we were ripping them last week. We we were upset, we were worried and everything like that. I said this, I said this last week, and I'm gonna repeat it. Winning will make me shut up. Winning will make every Jets fans shut up and we'll just enjoy it and we'll stop complaining. Like yeah, I, I I was mad about Brees Hall that play in the fourth quarter. They won the game, so who mm-hmm. cares? Yep. Do I not want that to happen in the future? Of course, but yeah. it's you know just win. Winning cares all. You can talk to any Giants fan. Do they expect to be two zero? Absolutely not. And they're riding the wave, and they, yep. as they should, they absolutely should. And New England doesn't look good. Yeah. Like if the Jets can't split with them, it's a problem. Like yeah. they have looked terrible both games. I know they won, 
But if you talk to any Patriots fan who's like not a homer, mm-hmm. they'll tell you Mac Jones looks bad. Their yeah. defense is why they beat the Steelers. It's not because of Mac. And yep. that, that helps the Jets. So and honestly, I mean the NFL is a tough league, and the Jets aren't a good enough team to complain about how you got there. So no, no matter how you got the win. You take the win, you get the hell out of there, and that's it. We're one and one. Doesn't matter how it looked. That's all that matters. On to week three in Cincinnati. Listen, only Jets and, and Browns fans are going to remember this game the way it happened yeah. in terms of us beyond the wins and loss. Everyone else is going to forget. Yep. We're never going to forget because never. it's one of the best moments of our lives as a fan of the regular <laughs> season. But it, like you said, doesn't matter. Get there. Um, yeah. But. Any closing thoughts before you know we wrap up the show? It was a it was a fun week. It was a fun Sunday. It's been a fun couple of days. I have watched the replay on the NFL Game Pass or NFL Plus or whatever probably three or four times already, which is is crazy. It. But it's good, man. I can't. You know what? It's it's just exciting. It was exciting for this young team. It's it's exciting as a fan for the Jets to have young offensive talent like this and to, to come out with a win like that was just, it was a lot of fun. So I hope it continues, you know, win or lose as long as we can, you get me out of my chair and I'm jumping up and excited and, and stuff like that. That's all I really care about. Exactly. And Sunday showed you like all the on paper, Oh my God, the Jets have nailed their last two drafts. You're finally seeing the hypothetical come to life. I mean, yes. long way to go. I'm not like saying, you know, like Joe Douglas, extend the guy, but yeah, you, you feel, you feel good about, you know, number 10, you feel good about, good about sauce. I mean, it's and not you can't go team. without mentioning AVT. And I know that Connor did it on Badlands. Yeah. I mean, he has looked every bit as good as advertised and, and well worth uh, the trade up last year to, to get him. I mean, yeah, he Seth is. Walter, how how you feeling now, man? How yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is, I think, uh, unequivocally the Jets' best offensive lineman right now. And uh, it's only, not only debatable. I know, and, and still ascending, which is just great to have. So uh, kudos to Joe Douglas for making that move and, and great job by ABT. So hopefully and it just continues. R- real quick, another honorable mention. Shout out Max Mitchell, man. Yeah. He's, doing a, he's doing a good job. Like, he's not a leader or anything. He's holding down the fort. He's a fourth round rookie. Oh, like he could, I expect him as the Jets fan, I expected like Wade Hunter, yep. like it level play because you know, that's who we are. Yeah. He looks more than fine. Like I know he got beat that led to the sack, but it's that, I, I feel like that was more on Flacco than it, than, than Max. That, and I agree with that, but yeah. I, I just want to like, you know, keep everything on. Yeah. And he saved Conklin's ass with that. Fumble he did. Recovery, he did. So. And who, a credit to whoever pointed out the uh, the Jason Fabini comparison, fourth round pick, starting rookie year. That uh, I think ninety eight with Parcells. So, and he was a long time starter for us at right tackle. So, hopefully, Max Mitchell can follow that same uh, that same career path. Listen, I'm like I'm in the belief it doesn't matter where they took the guy if the guy can play, I don't care. Like I said 100%. this in the I said this in the preseason. What if Clemens is better than Jermaine Johnson? Doesn't matter. You get an edge if, out if of it. If one of them is good, you, you, it doesn't matter what you yep. spent. Like it. Yep. it just get the players on the field. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. It was yeah. fun. This was this was a fun one. I gotta yeah. say, um, but yeah, just a reminder to you know subscribe to the show on Apple or Spotify. Turn on the Jets live if you search it. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash Turn the Jets TV. Um, if you have not, definitely subscribe to Badlands on Patreon. Stephen has his weekly uh, first and ten column, which just came out actually as of this morning on Tuesday. Um, plenty of great stuff from Joe and Connor. I'll be writing some stuff. I, I wanted to get to something this week. I just haven't had the time, but it, it will be coming. And I, I promise you all. Um, but it's, it's, it's great. And also check out the store. We have the um, 17 is him shirts that Joe had just released uh, earlier today. It's a, it's a must buy for all Jets fans because 
Garrett Wilson might be special, and we're really witnessing something that could be unprecedented as a Jets fan, a first-round wide receiver who's a superstar, because we haven't seen that. We've been asking ourselves, when can we get that? Maybe we have that. I, it's just it, – it, it's exciting. That's all I can say. Um, appreciate everybody. Make sure uh, to check out the show next week. We'll recap the game against the Bengals.